You're listening to audio from Redeemer Church in Lubbock, Texas. Redeemer Church is a gospel-centered, missional family of disciples making disciples and churches planting churches. If you would like to get more information or donate to this ministry, please visit RedeemerLubbock.org. Glad you're here. My name's Dusty, and I'm one of the pastors, and want to give a special welcome to those that maybe came here, especially to support one of these family members or for the baptism that will also be happening today. Really glad you're here, as well as anybody else that's here first time. Um, we uh, we're going to be going through um, we're going through the book of Romans, and uh, over the course of this whole fall, we're going to resume that later in the spring. Uh, but we're going to take a little bit of time and do a little Christmas stuff, you know, uh, tis the season and all that. So we're going to be in Luke chapter one today, Luke chapter one, and um, we're going to see the story here. We're going to see is Mary is going to be encountering um, an angelic being which by definition is a supernatural encounter. And I, I think that we're going to see that she's you know, a, a little bit surprised by this encounter and wasn't expecting it. And I think that, um, that we are probably in the same boat a lot. I'm not sure how many of us drove up here today to this service and we're thinking, you know, today is the day that my whole life direction is going to change. Like, you know, that God, God is going to, I've been, you know, I've heard some of this stuff before, but I've never really given my life and heart to him. Today, there's going to be a, just a, a, an abrupt change in perspective. Or, uh, man, I'm, I'm so down right now. Like, I'm, I'm, I'm expecting and I'm hoping and I'm asking for God to meet me in, um, in just my fatigue and depression and confusion fusion right now and uh, like just really expecting and and hoping to see God move in some way to bring you comfort, bring you help, encouragement, something like that. I just don't know that we necessarily expect to see that from God. And the good news about this is that Christmas um, is here to help. So uh, the whole nature of it is really incredible. Even if you think about it, like uh, years ago, I remember hearing about uh, Larry King, who's uh, an older um, CNN type guy, and and somebody was asking him about like what's the one question you would like to know if you could go to ask anybody anything. He's like, well, I want to know if if Mary was um, if if she was a virgin and conceived Jesus. That that was the question he asked, which is an interesting question. Because you'd think someone would say, oh, I want to know if Jesus was resurrected from the dead or not. But um, but it really is a, the key question, isn't it? Because if Jesus was conceived uh, through uh, and through miraculous means, um, with the mother being a virgin, then like all these other dominoes begin to fall, don't they? That it means all these other miracles are true, and it would mean that Jesus was resurrected from the dead after being crucified, and so on and so forth. Like it's a it's a really pivotal thing and a really critical part of what we believe as Christians. So um, we're going to explore this today. And if you're kind of outside looking into the Christian faith, I'm hoping this will kind of catch you up a little bit on what we believe Christmas is about and a core part of the Christian faith. So. Verse 26 is where we're going to pick up in chapter 1 of Luke. You can follow along on the screen or in your Bible if you've got a copy of that in front of you. Okay, here we go. In the sixth month, the angel Gabriel was sent from God to a city of Galilee named Nazareth to a virgin betrothed to a man whose name was Joseph of the house of David. That'll be really significant later. And the virgin's name was Mary. And he came to her and said, Greetings, O favored one, the Lord is with you. Uh, but she was greatly troubled at the saying and tried to discern what sort of greeting this may be, might be. And the angel said to her, Don't be afraid, Mary. 
for you have found favor with God. All right, so Gabriel is the angel that encounters Mary. And the last we've heard from Gabriel, it would have been several hundred years before this, in uh, the book of Daniel is the last time we've heard from him. He's only made a few appearances in the Bible, but um, he's a really big deal. Um, I guess if there's a ranking system among the angels, then he'd be at the very top of that whole deal and usually comes in in really important moments. And he, um, he comes to her, and the last time in, in the book of Daniel, he was interpreting a vision and like a really important moment. And so Gabriel appears to Mary, and he, two different times he says that she's favored. And, you know, the, the Bible doesn't really give us any uh, ex- explanation. It doesn't seem like, based on the information we have in the Bible, that there was anything especially extraordinary about Mary. We don't think. At least the Bible wouldn't give us any indication of that. Now, that doesn't mean that she didn't have a sincere faith in God. Uh, Let's just assume that she did, that she probably would have been, as a young girl, now most people think that she was probably somewhere between 12 and 17. Probably, best guess, would be in the middle of that at 14, 15 years old. So let that sink in a little bit. If you have any middle schoolers uh, or maybe an early high school, like a freshman in high school, kind of kid at home, that's what we're talking about here. Does that just boggle your mind to think about this moment <laughs> a little bit? And so like that world, that life, is that's the Mary we're talking to. And she was probably a girl of her day. And she would have likely believed in God. She probably was at the synagogue at the right times and would go there regularly with her family for uh, temple, um, temple ceremonies and things that you would, you know, a believing Jewish family would have been a part of. She probably would have been there for that. And she probably, with many other Jewish people, would have been praying expectantly for God's Messiah someday to come and intervene and to rescue them and to deliver them from the oppression of the Romans and also, you know, to uh, rule finally over uh, over God's people, Israel. And so she would have believed those things, but um, she was probably doing normal 14-year-old girl stuff. Um, coming into this encounter, believing in God, going to the synagogue, and uh, probably um, you know messing around with Instagram, and uh, going for going with some of the girls to get coffee, and maybe the night before had a, a, a date with awkward teen Joseph, um, you know all that. Now saying a little bit tongue in cheek, but maybe not. Like whatever that would have been for you know two thousand years ago, teenage girl. That's what she would have been doing. She's just a girl. And uh, God says, you're favored. And God is with you. And so, and even has to say, hey, don't freak out. She actually takes it more in stride than other people that have seen Gabriel in the past. Like, they completely unravel. And she's like, what's up? You know, I'm like, she kind of seems kind of chill about the whole thing. And he's like, no, just relax. It's really, it's really fine. I'm not sure what kind of greeting uh, you've got here, angel guy. And he said, look, it's just, let me explain what's happening here. And uh, you found favor with God. This is good news. He's coming to tell her. And just before we move on, I do think this is proof that God can use middle school and high school age kids in a really unique way. You know, that your lives matter and um, God is active with you. And even what we're up here to celebrate with these family dedications is that's what we really want to see is we want to see as our little ones grow into maturity and go into middle school and high school for you to know God. Now, I'm not saying the angel is going to show up to you or anything like that, but but it does go to show that um, your life matters and it counts and um, God can use um, young, young people in really cool ways. All right, verse 31, let's keep moving. Behold, 
You will conceive in your womb and bear a son, and you shall call his name Jesus. So um, that would have been a lot to take in right there because um, she was only engaged to be married. And the normal means of having a child, I'll let parents work that out um, on their own time, um, that had not happened. And so there, the, she's, she's immediately, like, she would have been stuck right here. Like, there's a whole lot of other things that would have been said later, and she'd have been like, hold up. Um, you know what people are going to think, right? You know, that, that would, of course that's what she would think. You know, it wouldn't have been unusual for a teenage girl to be pregnant in that day because back then, uh, and just like in America, even, um, you know, 100, 200 years ago, that people got married really young and there's no birth control. And honestly, because of infant mortality, you started all that process pretty early on. And so it wouldn't have been un- unusual to have a, a teenage girl, like a 16-year-old girl pregnant, but it would have been uh, very unusual for an unmarried woman of any age, but especially, you know, a young woman to, to be pregnant and not be married. And so this is a really big news. And I'm sure she immediately had a million defeaters on, why don't you find another one of my just, you know, rando teenage girlfriends to go tell them that you're going to conceive a child because this is going to create a lot of problems. I'm sure she's thinking through that. And um, I don't know what, what Mary was even expecting from life and all of that. But I think this is what's really interesting as you, as you read this passage is that um, she was probably trying to trust God uh, and she was probably doing a lot like what I tend to do in my Christian faith, which is, I don't know how else to describe it, but I tend to focus on the inputs a lot and the things that I can kind of like do and control and, you know, Bible reading and prayer and being in a service like you're in now uh, with a worship service and being in community in some way or another with a gospel community and deepening some Christian relationships and, and trying to share my faith and trying to be generous with the resources I've got and, and all that. And by the way, the Bible says to do all of that. That's all good. Uh, but then, but then there's, there's this other part, this supernatural component that a lot of times I don't know that we necessarily expect much of or tap into very much. And I don't know if she did either. Like this, this encounter surely surprised her in a lot of different ways. And if you're like, well, I don't know, I, I kind of expect the supernatural. I mean, you know, the Lord moves in mysterious ways or something like that. You may have, a, you, may have uh, you know, some sayings like that. But if I were to have like one smoking gun that I were to say is evidence of the fact that we tend to not really live in the realm of the supernatural in our Christian faith, I would just point us towards our prayer life. Because um, whenever, if you think about it, prayer by definition is a supernatural encounter. That's what that is, is we're saying, God, I I need you to move. If you think through the Lord's prayer, you know, Lord, would you, uh, you know, make your kingdom come on earth as it is in heaven. So you have a way that you rule with justice, equity, fairness, grace. Bring that, bring that rule to bear right now, right here in the world that I live in. There's so many, um, you know, gross inequalities and broken things and things that we just, we mourn so much, either societally or maybe in a specific situation that we see. Lord, would you intervene, you know, specifically and, you know, give us this day our daily bread. Give me what I need physically and give me what I need emotionally. Give me what I need spiritually. I need, I need you to provide for me what it is I need. And Lord, forgive me because I know, I know that, that I, I don't do what you say to do and I don't love you as I ought and like forgiveness is a supernatural reality and I I need you to apply that to me even though it's not what I deserve and then furthermore help me forgive people that have wronged me instead of stewing in bitterness and trying to justify myself in other people's eyes and hating them in my heart and destroying them with my mouth or more Um, Lord would you do something supernaturally in me to help me forgive them and so um, and Lord and then furthermore even things we ask for people is Lord would you would you 
save this person? They don't think they need you right now. And they're like wrecking their life. They're running from you. Would you help them see? Would you change their perspective? And, and this person right here is in a destructive pattern. And Lord, would you, would you deliver them from that? And this person here is sick. And Lord, would you bring physical healing? And, and Lord, would you, would you help in this situation right here? And, and um, here's this relationship that feels distant. Would you help bring us back together? And, and much, much more by definition. Like that is supernatural. And, uh, but I think for a lot of us, now I may just be projecting myself. This may be group therapy. I don't know. Uh, but, uh, but I think that what I find myself doing a lot is cynicism has taken root in my, how it is I relate with God more than I like to admit sometimes, you know, where, uh, where we, because uh, even this whole topic of prayer, and we would say the right thing, say, hey, I know, I'm just busy, but that's not really it. Uh, I've even seen a pastor guy I like say, our phone usage alone is going to prove um, in the last day um, that we had plenty of time. You know, so time is certainly not the issue. But I think that what we can say, though, is that um, I think that cynicism has taken root more than we think, where uh, it's been really hard on our faith to pray for things and to ask and God heal and God save and God restore and God redeem and God, you know, whatever. Like all these prayers that we have for people and for us and help that marriage and help my marriage and whatever the case would be. And then, and then nothing happens. And then so after a while, you're like, man, I guess God, if he exists, he's just going to do what he's going to do. So I'm going to kind of go through my little prayer routine and um, I don't, it's been hard on my faith to ask God to really move like that and to interact that way. So uh, yeah, I think there's a lot of that, that I, I think that we don't really even, I think we live in, live our days and don't really expect to see God do very much at all. Uh, now I'm not at all saying that you're going to have an angel um, drop out of the sky uh, tonight. Uh, I'm not saying that. But um, I think it'd be good for us to even talk about what would supernatural um, move, uh, things that where God was moving supernaturally look like in our life. Well, for starters, I would say that um, salvation is supernatural. So one of my favorite things, we'll have a, a baptism story that's really great today that you're going to hear and um, in the service. Is I'm so curious. Every time I hear about a salvation, I'm like, tell me more. Like, how, you weren't even looking for him. Or in this case, like, you grew up kind of like believing it in a way, but not believing it in a way. And like, what changed? How, do, how, how has your mind changed on that? And I love hearing those stories. And so if you've believed in Jesus, if God has changed your mind and your heart, like, that is supernatural. Like, he broke into your heart and changed you. And some of you are thinking, no, not me. I was just, I those lame stories. I was just raised in church and all that. Well, first of all, Every one of these families up here is hoping for one of those so-called lame stories. Every one of them. They're hoping, they're hoping that you, you have this super lame story that you just follow Jesus from as early as you can remember and never departed. Uh, and the reality is I've known so many church kids that have left the faith um, that it is supernatural when someone is raised in it and then stays with it and that Jesus is still beautiful to them. It's just as much of a miracle that God's kept you and held you. Um, so salvation is supernatural. Growth is supernatural. The Apostle Paul talks about this, that you may have one Christian leader that, that you know, uh, plants, another one that waters, somebody that invests in you, someone else that prayed for you. But at the end of the day, if you're growing right now, God is the one giving the growth. Like if you are growing in your understanding of who God is, if you're growing in a desire to obey him, if you're becoming more like Jesus in, in your thoughts, your emotions, your actions, and even what he values and everything else, if, if there is growth taking place in your life, if you're letting go of things that a 
oppose him, if you're trusting him with things that have formerly been hard for you to trust him, if there's growth right now, God is the one that gives the growth. It's supernatural. Um, You could also say God's providence is supernatural. Providence is how God orders even specific events and things. That um, it's it's interesting to listen to people uh, to talk to couples on how they met, and every time again I'm I'm always so curious that there's like there's this providential element that you're like man that's crazy like someone says yeah we met in junior high and we just never broke up and I'm like that's incredible like I was barely capable of an adult relationship until I was like 22 you know what I mean and you can't imagine that at 13 but again there's Mary so you never know I mean maybe there's some of us out there but like hearing hearing this story or like I even think of, of my marriage to Amy it's like we needed all these things I mean she lived in Colorado through her sophomore year and if she never moves back to Texas does she go to Texas Tech and and I mean I applied to two schools kind of a fake one West Point and it turns out um, it turns out that you actually needed to care about school to get in there. Didn't know that. Um, so ended up going to tech, even though I'd never been to Lubbock in my life and, um, until my freshman orientation. And then all these things and engagement, and I won't even get into that on my end, a whole lot of different things to somebody else and all these things. And then like all these events, you're like, man, that is crazy. That's crazy that we got together. That's amazing. And you start thinking about that, even talk about how'd you get into the line of work you're in? Like, how did that even happen? And go, well, it was crazy. I met this person when I was waiting tables and on and on. And I mean, you start considering God's providence, providence that may not seem like there was no like fireworks that went off uh, when Amy moved back to Houston and whatever else, but God was ordering things and there's a supernatural reality to God's ordering of events. And then, um, then even one more, I would add that just a, a, a major wild card is just the Holy Spirit's activity in general is that very different than the things we can control, which you should be doing, reading the Bible and praying and coming to church and being in Christian community and giving and sharing your faith and making disciples, that um, there's something you can't control, and that's the Holy Spirit's work. And there, there's a real mysterious uh, a part of this, of what the Spirit does and how the Spirit gifts people and how, it is, how the Spirit moves and, and where he moves and why he moves and the way that he does. Uh, but there's also uh, there's element of, of the, the Holy Spirit's movement that's supernatural, of gifting us and growing us and encouraging us and drawing us near to himself and even using your gifts to help other people do that too. So um, there's a supernatural reality that is more in play than I think a lot of us realize. We're just not aware of it, but God is always working around us. Let's keep moving. Verse 32. This is the, as he gives a little bit more explanation into who this baby is going to be. Uh, verse 32, he will be great and he will be called the son of the most high and the Lord God will give to him the throne of his father, David. That's the second time we've heard that. That's going to be significant. And he will reign over the house of Jacob forever and of his kingdom, there will be no end. So um, this is significant. Uh, Mary um, is uh, going to be married to Joseph. They will be married. Now, even though uh, Mary's the one carrying this baby and that Joseph doesn't have any DNA involved, that Joseph comes from the tribe of King David, like back in, in, the, in way past in Israel's history. You can go back and read the Old Testament. David's a really important figure. And uh, kind of how we carry the last name of the father most of the time in our culture, that it's kind of like what they did then, that a child that was born took on the, uh, the family and the tribe of, uh, of the father. And so, uh, so Joseph would have found one of his ancestors to be David. And uh, this is significant because in the book of 2 Samuel, this is maybe one of the first times that's announced in a clear way. There, there were some hints that there would be a Messiah, 
But this is one of the, the first times that we really hear it clearly in 2 Samuel chapter 7, uh, verse 12 and 13. It says, when your days are fulfilled, this is God talking to David, uh, when you die, in other words, and you lie down with your fathers, I will raise up your offspring after you who shall come from your body. So in other words, this is going to be a dynasty from his body, and I will establish his kingdom. He shall build a house for my name. That would be the temple. Solomon would do that, his, his son. But listen to this part, and I will establish the throne of his kingdom forever. And so it's going to be a dynasty, but it's going to be an eternal dynasty, which would be a hint here that we're not just talking about, you know, you know your son will have a son and you'll, it'll go on for a long time. <coughs> Excuse me. But there's going to be an eternal nature of it. And so, um, and, there, and there's a lot of other versions of this um, in the Old Testament, a lot of different ways that this is talked about. Like um, it'll talk about David's fallen tent is going to be restored and unto us a child is given. And there's going to be all of these, these different hints and prophecies that come up talking about David's offspring, that that's our only hope, that we keep falling away from God and we need something to change us internally and we need, we need God to come to us and we need help. And that was all over the Old Testament. Well, it's going to come through David's lineage and here it is. And so when he says, hey, look, um, you're gonna you're gonna have um, you're gonna have a son, and it's it's gonna be in the Messiah. That's really what it is that um, that he's telling her. And this would have been a, a really big deal. So it's basically like God didn't wake up because he never sleeps. But it's as if you want to think about it that way. That day that for hundreds and hundreds of years that there have been people that had been praying and their prayers outlived them and they'd been saying, God, deliver us, God, deliver us. We are waiting, we are waiting and God had pr- promised it and he had prophesied over and over through all these points in Israel's history and it's as if God you know, woke up that day, again, didn't wake up and he said, today's the day, today's the day and that's the girl. And she's like, me? Yeah, you, you're the girl. And today's the day. Today's the day of salvation. And I just love that, that she couldn't have been expecting it. I mean, she may have even prayed for it, but in her wildest dreams, couldn't have imagined it would be her. Crazy. Verse 34. And then Mary said to the angel, how will this be? It's like she's still stuck on that first part, understandably. Yeah, okay, it makes sense, except the normal means of this whole thing hadn't happened. I'm, I'm a virgin. And the angel answered to her, the Holy Spirit will come upon you with the power of the Most High will overshadow you. Therefore, the child uh, to be born will be called Holy, the Son of God. And behold, your relative Elizabeth, in her old age, has also conceived a son. And this is the sixth month with her, who is called, um, who is called barren. Uh, I love this. This is probably the key sentence of the whole thing. For nothing will be impossible with, uh, with God. And Mary said, Behold, I am the servant of the Lord. Let it be uh, to me according to your word. And the angel departed from her. So... The short version of this is God is going to create a baby out of nothing. And that shouldn't surprise us because that's exactly how he made all that is, is that God created, uh, created all that is. Like I recently saw someone say that you've got two choices about origins. You either believe in uh, the, virgin, uh, the virgin birth, uh, you know, like here, like with you know, Mary and Jesus, and that God created the world, and here God created Jesus. Um, or you believe in the, the virgin birth of the universe, that somehow the universe just kind of showed up, even though nothing really created it, 
or in the matter just kind of was. Like you kind of got a couple of decisions here. And what the Bible says is that there's a reason why there's matter and why that matter uh, began to be organized in understandable ways. And it came together and uh, into people and uh, complex organisms and you name it, all that. And the reason is because is God created it. He spoke it and it came into existence. Similarly, that, uh, that baby Jesus was knit together by God supernaturally by his words and through the Holy Spirit's activity. And that's what happens here. God creates supernaturally. And I, I love her response is, let it be. Sure, I'm in. I don't even know what all it means. I don't think at least. I don't think she knew. Um, there's a song that actually kind of speculates this on this that we were talking about this morning uh, before the service um, called Mary Did You Know? And and if you're one of the people of like you know, that's on the yes, Mary did know side of things, like she knew all of it, I'm not sure that Mary's omniscient, but we I guess we can go back and forth on that, that maybe, maybe God explained more to her up front than we know. My hunch is, is that Mary would have owned, just like me and you, God has yet to give me a playbook one time in my entire life. You know, he's never one time said, here it is, buddy. The next year is going to be a doozy. You know what I mean? Like he hadn't done that ever. Like I'm 50 years old. I've asked God for this, you know, like I, it'd have been great to know, but even as I, earlier, I was talking about the Providence and God putting you know, Amy and I together. But I mean, like we, we, I was so excited to be married, still am. But look at, at that beginning, we, we didn't know. Like I said, let it be, I'm in. Uh, but then didn't know that within two years, we're going to have a, you know, a, a parent and a step-parent die, that we're going to become, you know, adopt, uh, adopt my little brother. A church situation is going to go south. Um, we, we couldn't have anticipated all the highs and lows of her going to med school and residency and being a doctor and being in the ministry and the highs and lows of planting Redeemer and going through a season of infertility and like all, like we've had so much fun and then there's been real pain and like none of that. God didn't tell me on the front end, okay, you're saying yes to each other, but you need to know here's the small print and got your readers and look through all this. Then none of that was there. There was just this, this real uh, general sense of, do you want to marry? this woman and, and whatever, um, even the vows in sickness and in health and in rich, you know, if you, if you have plenty and if you have want that there's going to be these highs and lows. And that's really what she's doing here is saying, man, I, I don't know that she would have imagined. Imagine what it'd be like to be a mom. Imagine what it'd been like. I mean, it, how many cool things like, Hey, where's Jesus? Well, he's at his father's house teaching all the adults you know? And of course she is. And like, that'd have been really neat. And she'd have been there. Like she, she was there whenever he turned the water into wine and would have seen many of his miracles. And she'd have, and she'd have been like, that's my son, you know, and, and get to enjoy a front row seat to God's work and all these miracles and all the things that he taught. And surely a bunch of private conversations, really understanding his heart and his teachings. And, uh, but then she also would have seen uh, the rejection and people making fun of him. And she would have been there when they said, yeah, give us the common criminal instead of Jesus. And she would have been there when they stripped him naked, naked, and they gambled over his clothes while they killed him and buried her son. A handful of you in here, sadly, have had to bury children, you know, um, unimaginable that she went through all that, you know, that's all embedded here in the let it be. I don't know. I don't know what all's coming, but the highs and the lows, but Lord, you're at work here and nothing is impossible with you. And in faith, I'm going to do this. I'm going to trust you. And so look, I just want to encourage you today. Um, look, I don't know what you're going through. Um, but here's what I do know is nothing is impossible with God, nothing. And he makes a way, you know, and I'm not saying that your circumstances are going to change. I, I'd, I'd be happy to pray with you that they do. 
I hope that they do. If, like, if you're going through something really hard, but here's the thing I know, is that even if God doesn't change your circumstances, that nothing is impossible, and he makes a way, and if you feel hopeless right now, if you feel like that there's just not a way forward, and you wonder if God has forgotten you, and if there's any way forward, I just want you to know that Christmas is proof that there's hope, that you're seen, that you're loved by God that he's close to you, um, that you've found favor with him through Jesus, through believing in, in what Christ has done. Christmas is proof that God is always supernaturally working. You're probably not going to hear from an angel. I mean, maybe. You might have. Uh, but maybe like a lower ranking one other than Gabriel. But, uh, but, but I've not up to this point in my life. But you can be sure that he's always at work. Always. And you're seen. And that you're loved. And that you're valuable. And that he will never stop working. Um, all the way, even, even your prayers will outlive you, even things that you've asked for that you may not ever see in this life, that God hears every one of them and he cares for you. So I'm going to pray. Lord, would you, uh, would you move in a, uh, in a beautiful way um, in every heart? I don't know what every person here needs, if it's comfort or encouragement or even correction. Maybe um, someone that um, just didn't have it and is not responding to you, that um, Lord, would you, would you work in them? and uh, work in me, and that supernaturally you would move among us, that nothing is impossible, so Lord, flex, even heal, um, even repair relationships, that, um, that you would restore, even today would be the day of salvation for some, that there'd be a new belief that would spark, and I pray all of this in Jesus' name, amen.